0: Well, parents, as we get started this morning, what I want to encourage you in, uh, we are going to be in Psalm 31 today. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you have the Bible app, uh, I would encourage you just to pull that up this morning. Um, We're going to work through this entire Psalm. Uh, I've divided it into three sections. Uh, If you have one of our Black Bibles, it's on page 461. So you can take a look at that in there. But what I want to do this morning is Hopefully you can keep the Bible next to you on your lap and maybe share that with your kids that are sitting next to you as we get started this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to start in with Psalm 31. Would everyone bow their heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this morning. And Lord, I just thank you for the chance that we have to open your word uh, so freely um, and at any time that we want to. We have complete access to your word, and there is a freedom that we have in that, and we are thankful for that. I pray this morning that um, as we are all in one room together, Lord, that kids and parents alike would hear your voice, that they could clearly hear you speaking to them through your word. And so we come to you humbly, but we also come confidently as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, if you look behind me, this is what I want to work through today. This is a, a Psalm 31 has 24 verses. And so we're going to work through it in three parts. And my hope is is that um, I don't get too preachy this morning. These are supposed to be devotionals. And I'm just going to warn you, my bent is to get preachy. And so I'm going to guard against that. And I'm going to move this into devotional mode. So let's start and let's read these first eight verses in Psalm 31. I realize that it... It is a little noisy in here, but I'm going to read them slow, and I want you to kind of process what God is saying to us and you in this psalm. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. Kids, there's probably the first word you don't know. Refuge. Refuge is a word you can write on your sheet. on One of those things you want to ask your parents about. For you are my rock and my fortress. Verse 3. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Verse 5. There's a phrase we're going to hinge in verse 5 today. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. And we finish this first section with verse 8 and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. Final phrase I want to point out is at the end of verse 8, you have set my feet in a broad place. Today we see God uh, with this image of a rock and kids. Can you raise your hands? How many of you on your playgrounds at school or in your neighborhood have a rock climbing wall? Does anybody have a rock climbing wall? Has anybody ever done a rock climbing wall? Yes or no? You can say it. Done a rock climbing wall? Yes, a few of you have done a rock climbing wall. What's the goal of a rock climbing wall? You're trying to get to the top, right? You're trying to grab all the way and get to the top. A couple years ago, there was a Netflix documentary called Free Solo. And in Free Solo, what it's about, it's about uh, this man named Alex. And what he wants to do is he wants to free solo this 3,000-foot vertical rock formation called El Capitan. And as the document takes you through there, what what he's really trying to do, what makes this so crazy, if you haven't seen it, is he's trying to climb this rock formation without a harness, without ropes. He doesn't want anything to hold on to. He just wants to go up and do it. And if you Google free soloists or people that do free solo rock climbing, what you'll find is a lot of people have died trying to do these feats. There's nothing to stop him from falling if he gets a quarter of the way, halfway up on this rock formation. And what the documentary does, it takes you through the weeks and the months that he is preparing to do this climb. And what he does is as he goes up in his preparation, he has harnesses and ropes on, but he's taking methodical notes. He's taking methodical notes of every single crevice and spot on that rock formation so that he can get to the top. He's looking to master that specific rock. He's looking to conquer that rock, and he's trying to get to the top. And as I I think about that definition of a rock, I want to move your mind from that, because that's kind of the opposite of what God is showing us in this psalm. And what you see here as we read those first eight verses is he mentions the word rock, but he sets it alongside a couple other words. He sets it alongside the word refuge. He sets it alongside the word fortress. And so what he's saying is a rock is not some, God as a rock is not something to be conquered. God as a rock is something that we come to. It's a place that we enter into. There's two specific things I want you to see in these first eight verses for our first takeaway today. And in verse 5 he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And so when we think about God as a rock, he's asking us to come to him not in our strength, He's not asking us to come in our perfection, but he's asking us to come open-handed and say, Lord, I'm going to commit my... I'm gonna, into your hand, I'm going to commit my spirit. And as the psalm goes on, what David is doing in these first eight verses of this psalm and the first part of this devotional this morning is he's leading us in posture. How, what is the posture? How do we approach God? And when we do that, when we come open-handed... And when we have repentance and we have, and we acknowledge our sin, we are committing our spirit into the hand of God. And verse 8, as he closes us out, this is, this is what we get if we come in that posture. It's the back half of verse 8. And he says, you have set my feet in a broad place. David knows the situation that he is in, but yet he's saying, if I come to the Lord humbly, if I come to the Lord open-handed, if I commit my spirit to the Lord, He's going to put me in what is called a spacious place, and that is his space. It sets up the rest of the psalm for what we're seeing. So, kids, this week, as you, as you leave here this week, there's a lot of things that are going to happen for you, right? Like, you're going to have to listen to your parents. You're going to maybe have to share with a, a brother or sister, right? You're going to have to do some things, what we call in love and obedience. Like, are you going to listen to your parents when they ask you to empty the dishwasher? Or is that going to be kind of a big argument all week? Hey, I'm not doing that. Or are they going to have to ask you three times? But what God is saying when we come into his space, we have a heart of love, we have a heart of obedience. Parents, you have a, you have a full week as well, and, and, and the same things. Like you're going to be making decisions about work, about health, about finances, about relationships, about parenting. And what David is saying in his devotional is come into my space, come into his space commit your hand, uh, commit you, commit into your hands, commit your spirit. So that's the first sermon point that we leave with today in those first eight verses. We look to enter his space. As, as David moves on in this psalm, if you, have, if you have the Bible in front of you there, these next verses, 9 through 18, they take a very strong turn in terms of tone and what David is feeling. And so if you would stick with me again, I want to read these verses again, verses 9 through Through 18. He says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. David is crying out in this, but he's saying, I am in distress. And this is what he goes on to acknowledge in these next verses My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many. I want you to kind of highlight that verse. I hear the whispering of many. There is terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. I want to highlight verse 15 as well. My time, my times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let like the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speaks insol- insolently against the righteous and pride and contempt. As David sets up those first eight verses with his posture, we read these verses and we can feel his angst. We can feel his distress. And so what I did this week, I picked one day. I picked one day and I, and I picked one media outlet And these were some of the headlines that I saw in that media outlet. Markets head towards worst first half of year in decades. Bidding wars are coming for renters. Monkeypox's unusual spread in Republic of Congo puzzles researchers. In Hong Kong, young people's hopes fade. Can you fight against aging? Scientists are now testing drugs to help. The Iran-US nuclear talks end without progress. Two Jesuit priests are gunned down in a northern Mexico church. The Ukraine's frontline cities turn into ghost towns. And lastly, the iPhone turns 15. I put that one in there because it's depressing for some of you because you probably had that iPhone and you're thinking it's, it's dating you a little bit in your age. But the point of this, the point of me reading those headlines If you look at verse 13, what does David say? In verse 13, he says, For I hear the whispering of many, there is terror on every side. And I feel many times for us, it feels like we are living with terror on every side. If you look in our culture in the news, I bet you could pick almost any media outlet and you could almost pick any day and you yourself could come up with five different headlines that produce that type of fear or anxiety or uncertainty that we struggle with. In fact, I bet if you were to pick up a newspaper from July 3rd, 15 years ago, it probably wouldn't give much angst to you because you know what happens with a lot of those articles But the articles have the same thing. They strike the same thing of fear and uncertainty. And that's what David is feeling in this psalm. This is where he's going in the second part of this. And I'm not going to minimize that terrible things happen that make no sense. But what I'm saying is there's also plenty of things that we exert too much mental energy on because we're trying to control our circumstances and our wants. But what David shows us in this psalm and what he knows is that world histories and personal histories are not ultimately operating by chance. And that's the part of this part of the psalm that I love. It's in verse 15. What does he say? He says, my times are in your hands. So in the end, when we see God as a rock, we live by the fact that our lives cannot be derailed permanently because our time is in his hands. Kids, I know it's July, and I know you don't want me to make this statement, but in a couple months, you're probably going to be going to some kind of new educational setting, right? You'll probably be going to the next grade. You're going to be learning some new things uh, from a curriculum standpoint, but you're probably going to be meeting some new people, maybe a new teacher, maybe some new classmates. And I think for you, you might be thinking that's overwhelming. Maybe you're going from elementary school to middle school or middle school to high school. And what I want you to remember is that God is telling you, my times are in your hands. So when you think about that, when you get kind of scared or you get fearful, you can think God has this. Your times are in his hands. Parents, I know there's a lot for us when we feel the terror on every side. But what I love about this psalm, where I love what David says is, It's posture in the first eight verses, and the next ten verses, what he brings us into is, hey, I'm in distress. But in that distress, I'm still saying my times are in your hands. And that's the second point that we want to say as we rest in this journey, July, we rest when we say, Father, my times are in your hands, even, even when there's terror on every side. David closes this psalm, and this is, this is, I think, the beautiful way that it is written in verses 19 through 24. I love what he brings us into. We talked about his space. We talked about his hands. And the last part of this devotional is he brings us in to his love. Verse 19, follow with me if you would. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was besieged in the city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who wait for the Lord. A week or two ago, uh, Amanda and I were, uh, we were in New York and we had the chance uh, to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. It's kind of a, if you've been to New York, many of you probably have done this, but this is a picture of it. And you can see from the picture, you're walking over from uh, from Brooklyn over to Manhattan. And this picture doesn't really do justice to the point of what I actually saw on the bridge that day. When you get about halfway across the bridge, I looked and if I you can't see the picture, but on the far left, what you can actually see in the water very clearly is you can see the Statue of Liberty. And then in as my, as my, the same kind of view, what I can see right behind me kind of in the middle is I see where the World Trade Centers were, right? You can see one Freedom Tower there. And what this picture is missing, but you can actually see if you're on the Brooklyn Bridge, is this is lower Manhattan, but you can actually see all the way up to upper Manhattan when you're standing on that bridge. So in one swoop, I can see the Statue of Liberty, Freedom Tower, and the Empire State Building. I can can see a full panoramic of one of the biggest cities in the world just by walking across that bridge. But what happens when you get across the bridge is you walk down the bridge, then you kind of, you're going you're gonna to do some kind of tourist option over there. You start to walk down into the city. And as you look around, you're surrounded by the big buildings. And all of a sudden, that view is gone. There's no view at all. In fact, it feels like, what am I even doing here? I'm just walking around looking like this, and all I see is window after window. And what David is showing us as he finishes this psalm is, is he's showing us what the wide lens on spiritual life looks like. He's showing us that we're not actually buried in that spot where we're looking up at the skyscraper. Those are those granular moments in life when we feel like we're besieged in the city, right? We're buried in the city. And what David is saying in the psalm as he finishes, if you look in verse 19, he says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. David methodically walks us through 24 verses in this psalm. He starts by giving us the posture that we come to the Lord, and then he hits on the distress that I think all of us feel. All of us feel that kind of distress in our life. But what he closes with is this view, this wide lens that he wants us to have each and every day when we're in those granular moments when we feel like we're besieged in the city. And so verse 21 closes it um, when he says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown me his steadfast love. And so our final sermon point in this devotional this morning is when we rest, we, we rest when we learn to say to God, Father, you showed me the wonders of your love. Hopefully when you see that view of the Brooklyn Bridge, it's a very tangible thing in your mind, where you can see this is what God is wanting me to experience. He's wanting me to see the wide picture that he has for me in the smaller moments. As we close today, kids, I hope that you heard some things this morning that you can take and work out this week. Um, I hope that your sermon notes went good. I don't know if anybody lasted this long, Amy. We tried to get them at the end of the service to fill this out. Hopefully you did and you wrote a few things down that you can do that. What I would ask is, uh, is, would you pray with me, and then we're going to go into the meal of communion uh, as we close this morning. Bow your heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the chance to read your word. Thank you, Lord, that um, it's the exact word that we need today at this moment. We thank you that it's unchanging, Lord. We thank you that it's timeless. What David says many, many years ago, are things that have application for our life today and right now. And we are forever grateful for that. So Lord, thank you for the chance to worship this morning as families. We pray to all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.